0: Welcome to the art studio. You know, it seems like I'm living in a, uh, an episode of some out-of-control movie or TV show or something. Uh, you know, the political election creates a climate in this country that is absolutely bizarre. Uh, we have two of the biggest asshats I've ever seen running for president and everything they do and everything that they say and all that happens is bizarre. One of the bizarre things about it, and I guess it's always, you know, like a computer, you put in 2 plus 2 equals 18 and the computer blows up. That's pretty much what happens to my logic system as I look at people as they conduct themselves. The president, People running for president... I'm using this as an example because I don't really care about them, is they lie their ass off. They lie and lie and lie. And they lie like saying, I never said that. And then they'll play them, you know, saying the thing they said they never said. And then they'll say, well, I never meant the way you're taking it or there's some double talk to it or some BS. It literally, it's kind of, How can I say this? You know, there is a form, well, not a form, there is an abuse when you try to confuse people uh, with lies and so on. I can't recall the exact word for this. There's a couple different labels. But, you know, when you lie to someone about the true nature of reality, it sort of undermines their confidence, self-esteem kind of thing. It's something I didn't really know or understand till much later in life. It's it's a form of abuse to habitually lie to someone. Uh, when you can't trust someone, you can't have a relationship with them. Not in the way we think of a relationship. I mean, I guess you can have one, obviously. You, you know, you can, have, I guess I'm wrong about that statement, but you can't have a good relationship that makes you feel good about it. I guess that's one way to put it. If you know the person is constantly lying and making things up and trying to deceive you, it's, it's a weird deal. Anyway, this sort of thing is not isolated to the presidents of uh, people running for president, obviously. I think what's weird about it is, you know, in very... Big way, democracy was stolen from us. It's an oligarchy now. Uh, the rich run the system. The top sixty-one people have more money than everybody else on the bottom. So there is three point five billion people, and the sixty-one people have most of the wealth. It's crazy. We live in a crazy, crazy world. And the thing is, I guess it's always been like this. There is always been people lying. There's always been people searching for power. There's always been giant corruption amongst people big and small. There's always been atrocities, things happening uh, that defy human rights descriptions. And it just goes on and on and on. The more I study history, the more I see it. But this modern world we're living in, it's like a bad episode of the Twilight Zone. You know, we've got global warming. It's really happening. Ice is melting. Sea levels are rising. How It doesn't matter what the cause of it is anymore. Let's just say it's happening. What are we going to do about it? In 50 years, there'll be no food. <laughs> the, the human race is, is facing a mass extinction. Animals uh, and, and things are facing mass extinction. And we don't know really how bad this is going to go, how quick. I mean as things heat up and, you know, the food production chain breaks down as things become a dust bowl, species and things are going to get wiped out, uh, As especially, you know, as the CO2 levels keep rising. You know, what happens when all the bumblebees die and there's no more pollination of plants and animals? That's the end. That's the end of that food chain. And I think it's a really big possibility that there could be breakdowns like that. We could lose the bees. We could lose certain things. They could go extinct to a point that we can't sustain life. And it really freaks me out. You know, for a long time, I tried to deny all this to myself. I would say, no, it's not that bad. It's not happening. I would look the other way, draw my cartoons, try not to think about it because it's so scary. It's so depressing. It's it's really like strapping on a backpack of the truth, and now you have to wear it, <laughs> and it's heavy, <laughs> and I don't like wearing that backpack of the truth. It causes me a lot of worry. You know, I uh, last month, I tried to do a show Monday through Friday throughout the month, which would have been a total of 20 shows or so. I did not succeed. I got a bunch of shows out, but not as many as I wanted. I think I averaged two a week, and in- interestingly enough, you know, it's funny, as we as human beings, when we throw effort at something and time, we sort of expect a result. We have an expectation, even if it's a tiny one, we still think it's going to go this way and not that way. Uh, it's interesting. By releasing so many shows last month, I I like basically destroyed the audience. I don't know how I did it. Like maybe I said or did something, or who knows, but once again, I've taken hundreds, just we have, you know, a few hundred people listening to the show, and I've whittled them down to less than a hundred, so I guess my meanderings and musings are not that entertaining, and uh, people are not enjoying it, <laughs> which I don't know what to say about that, like, I thought that, you know, there'd be uh, more people listening and enjoying the shows, that's really the goal, There's really no end game beyond that, but it seems that less people uh, listened to the shows and enjoyed them the more I recorded. Isn't that weird? With more effort, I had less result. Speaking of more effort and less result, Upwork, which I talked about now for a few shows, which is a website where you can uh, sign up and try to bid on different jobs as people post them for art and so on. I'm just not convinced that things that things viable. It might be like just a place where jobs are posted but not many jobs are found. Now, again, when you go over and check it all out, you'll see that they list how much money people have spent in their track record. And It seems like there's some really good companies on there hiring artists. But it seems to be a complete lowball situation. Of the people who've contacted me back from my bids, Uh, Most of them didn't have enough money to hire me. I'm not kidding. One guy wants to pay someone like $5 a page for completed comic book pages. Another person wants to pay $15 a page. And we're talking lettering, drawing, coloring, the works. You know, who the hell can afford to work for 10 cents an hour, which is what it equals up to? And people have no problem asking someone to do that. Basically, if a person was to accept a job like that, they would then be able to pull down, you know, a good, you know, $15 a month in uh, income. Who the hell is going to live on $15 a month? And and meanwhile, you're drawing, you know, 12 hours a day. So I'm kind of pissed off and annoyed at most of the jobs on that website and the offers that people make It's not just an insult to make a lowball offer, it's an insult to think that people can actually afford to work at such low wages. Now, one thing I'm doing right now, if you hear it, and I know you do, is me bitching about something. I'm bitching about Upwork, complaining. I'm frustrated. I can't get work out of it like I'd like, can't make a living at art like I would like, and it's frustrating me, therefore I'm sort of lashing out. For those who listen to the show, you know that sometimes I have YouTube on autoplay and videos just play. You know, I'm sitting there drawing or painting and in the background it's, it's flipping from one different video to another with the autoplay. And the autoplay leads me to videos and to things that I would never ordinarily listen to. So many subjects I have fallen into and people and events and ideas because of sheer accident in YouTube. I have to say, it's a very interesting phenomena. We've all heard people bitch and complain about stuff. And a lot of times, artists have a recycling complaint where they're like, Man, I'm trying so hard and drawn and people are offering me peanuts for work. And it's a very bitter kind of tirade I've often talked about how people quit art, quit Facebook, raise their fists at the world, and say, that's it, I'm done, I'm not doing any more of this social media, screw you all. They're very angry and frustrated that no one's paying attention to them or not giving them the attention they think they deserve. And it pisses people off. Well, you know, they, people get pissed off and then express it. That's the way I meant to say it. And this is kind of like another weird phenomenon. Like, if you're not emotionally involved in something, You really have like an overview of it in a completely emotionless sort of state. Not completely, but nearly. So let's say somebody's complaining bitterly about something you don't give a damn about. You don't even give 1% thought to it ever. Like people are complaining that football uniforms are not snazzy enough. Does that really affect your life? Do you really care about football uniforms? And yet someone might do a you know, a half an hour rant about how angry they are at the NFL and about their football uniforms or whatever it could be. So I fell into a channel just the other day where a guy gets on here and tells everyone who did not contribute to his Kickstarter to F off. He basically makes a hate video telling the world to screw off that he's more than rich enough to be retired and do whatever he's whatever he wants, and he's just doing this Kickstarter because it's important, and people don't see the importance of it, and so for therefore they're willing to back all these other, any quotes ridiculous projects, but not his project, even though it's so damn worthy. So f you all, and f everybody that didn't back it, and f everybody that doesn't think I'm a genius. And f everybody, blah 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 blah, and it just—he's completely pissed off and angry that his Kickstarter did not get funded, and he—he he was up to like thirty thousand dollars on the last one, but he wanted a lot more, and he's completely utterly pissed off. He—he he doesn't. <laughs> now just imagine this: you—you you get to you pop into this angry video, and he's like, "I'm pissed off that you didn't contribute money to my campaign." You ass, you know, he's screaming at, at the audience, this unknown audience, about how they've let him down, screwed him over. They're unintelligent boobs, and they're morons for backing stupid projects. And he lists a bunch of projects that have got, you know, half a million dollars and all this other stuff, and he can't understand why his project doesn't have that, and he's pissed. Because I don't give a darn about his project or him or know him emotionally or whatever, I'm completely dispassionate about it. So when he comes up and begins to complain bitterly about the situation that he's in, that people aren't backing him, I I laughed. I was like, Really? I mean, is this the way you think it's going to work? It's like complaining to pretty girls that they won't date you. You know, you girls are so pretty, but you won't date me. Damn you. You know, well, that doesn't actually make the pretty girls turn around and go, You know what? This guy that is complaining so bitterly about, you know, me not dating him, I think I'll date him due to all these complaints. That is not the way human nature works. People do not complain their way into situations or into people's hearts. It's rather bizarre, actually. Yet, for us who are artists, haven't we seen artists or other people, you know, do a Kickstarter or try something and then it fail and they get totally pissed off and you know, quit Facebook, quit whatever, and that's it, I'm done, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and it's it's kind of crazy, and yet I think it's everywhere amongst all people. In other words, if a guy has a dream to make shoelaces and he goes on Kickstarter and says, Hey, I need you know, fifty thousand dollars to make my shoelace dream come true, it doesn't come true. Well, that's it. He's just pissed off. Well, screw the whole world and I see you backing, you know, this project and that project, but not my shoelace project, you asses. And, you know, we're talking specifically about Kickstarter for a minute, but this is about everything that we fail at and frustrates us and pisses off and pisses us off. We go in these rants about how unfair it is and how others have it better and easier than us. And how? Why is it fair that you know they have all so much stuff and I have nothing? Kind of idea. Just like the way I was bitching at the very front of this show, you know, 61 people own all the all the wealth in the world or most of it, and the rest of the people uh, fight for the scraps that are left. I'm complaining about that. I'm pissed off. You know why? Because I'm not one of the 61 super rich people. I'm one of the people that's fighting for scraps with the 3.5 billion. So people go off in these jags when they're pissed off and they really, I don't know what it is that so freaks me out about when people, because that to me seems like, a, it's not a lie, but it's an utter disconnect to what reality responsibility is. Imagine if like you had to go in and pick up your child from school, like, you know, your job every day is at three o'clock to pick up your child from school but you don't pick up that child. And the school calls you and says, hey, how come you haven't come here to pick up your child? What's going on? And you're like, hey man, you know, I got stuff to do. I'm really busy. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't find my stamps and my wallet, so therefore I couldn't go to the post office, therefore I couldn't go to the school to pick up the kid. So it's really the post office's fault and, and the loss of these stamps. You know, they, they connect the logic to something else that caused the thing to happen that they couldn't do. They blame something or someone else. So the real reason they didn't pick up their kid from school, the real reason they're not a responsible adult, is because of the post office and the stamps. That's the problem. It's all their fault. It seems they have no part in the thing. Like, in other words, well, you know you have to pick up your child. Why didn't you come? Hey, don't tell me what to do. F you. You, you can't, you're not the boss of me. So they start <laughs> you know coming back verbal abuse, angry, when they're questioned about the very thing they're supposed to have done. And I encounter this over and over again. It's like the guy who takes commissions and then doesn't do them for months or forgets about them. And you write the guy and say, "Hey, where's my commission?" And he's like, "Hey, F you man don't rush me. What the hell? You know, like he he sort of like pulls a judo move where he writes back all angry and how dare you be pissed off. And this is really rampant everywhere on every subject, especially with artists and Kickstarter. Go write to somebody who has a Kickstarter that's a year too late or whatever it could be. And they will write you back like an angry pissed off letter full of excuses as to why they didn't do the Kickstarter, and, you know, it's my cat's fault. If my cat hadn't, you know, pooped on the pieces of paper, uh, it all we would be done now, or it's the fault of the shipping company, or it's this fault. And then you think to yourself, well, didn't didn't you know there would be necessary steps with shipping? Didn't you know there would be necessary steps with stamps and production? Didn't you know enough to leave your papers in a safe place so the cat couldn't crap all over them and ruin them? You know, don't you know this by now being an adult? But that's not the way it works. People who fail at things, fail at Kickstarter, or become frustrated at situations, they lash out. They blame circumstances, people, and all kinds of things. All that, uh, but never ever taking personal responsibility. There's always a reason why. Uh, one of my favorite uh, excuses is, hey man, The reason I didn't finish fill-in-the-blank is because I've got other interests. I've got other things that really I'm passionate about. So even though I was, you know, writing my space opera and I quit it after two weeks, that's because, you know, I'm really interested in skateboarding. And so I have to spend, you know, 30 hours a week skateboarding and 50 hours a week gaming. So I really don't have as much time for my space opera as I'd like. And that's not my fault, man, because I really like games and I really like skateboarding and you don't want to take those things away from me. And so they, <laughs> they don't, it's an actual story by the way, they don't see the disconnect in how they just endlessly postulate excuses for the things they say they wanted to do or the things they didn't do or the things that didn't work out and they blame everyone around them but themselves. Ultimately the responsibility has to stop somewhere and it it's with ourselves. We are responsible. <laughs> we are the ones. And, you know, just to lash out and blame the world, and it's it's all, you know, Kickstarter's fault, how bitterly, you know, it is. And talking again about this guy who attacked everybody in a video for not funding, it's actually so wild to look at this guy because he is really pissed off. And he's like, and all of you who didn't back my Kickstarter, you can all burn in hell, you morons. So (laughs) he's speaking basically to the 3.5 billion people on the planet who did not back his Kickstarter and how stupid we all are and how pissed off he is at and everything else. How does that get him anywhere? How does that improve the situation? How does that advance his cause? Do people look at that and go, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot for not, you know, sending this guy $50 for his dream project. What a moron I am. Are you? Are you really stupid for not backing some unknown project that will just take your money away and do nothing for you? Are you really dumb? But man, you know, people are just so bitter and pissed off and it's a self-lie. We're lying to ourselves about our part in the play of our lives. I remember when I first went to see a psychiatrist, no, not first, but I went to see a guy who became my psychiatrist and my therapist, a very, very smart guy. And he was a no games type guy. And he said to me the first day, he goes, you know, After we talked, he goes, the biggest problem with human beings is they lie to themselves about situations and things, and they construct a reality, and if anything upsets that reality or questions it, no matter how bizarre it is, they get very scared, pissed off, angry, and people don't want their reality questioned. He goes, so much of what you and I are going to do together is look at the lies that you have told yourself and try to determine if we can literally get rid of them. So two years later, flash forward, and I'd realized how I'd been lying to myself about so many things. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't a plan where I went, I'm lying now. It was more like my lack of ability to see the truth. And I have to say, it made me a lot happier. In many respects, and reduced my stress and many things by being able to see the truth in situations as it related to me. You know, we walk around with a lot of feelings and thoughts, and uh, maybe anxiety about things that have happened. And a lot of times, uh, again, it sounds like I'm making an excuse, but I'm not. Things are not entirely within our control entirely our fault and the way we look at it is completely skewed for example let's say a person loses their job and it's a very good job or to them, in their perception it's a good job back when the economic crisis hit back where I lived in Bend, Oregon economic crisis hits and many, many rich people commit suicide right in my town Because they don't want to face the prospect of being poor. Now that they've lost their wealth and their money, they can't face it, so they kill themselves once they lose their job and their income. Now, you and I might think, well, couldn't you get another job, another income? couldn't, Couldn't life go on? It's just this one situation? Well, that's how we should think. But people can't see past these certain situations. You know, you never see a guy working at McDonald's who loses his job at McDonald's, kill himself because it's not that big a deal. He can go get another McDonald's job <laughs> or another low-paying job. He can get it. So it's not the end of, end of the world. So you never hear about folks committing suicide over losing something really insignificant like that. Unless, unless they have a misconstrued opinion about the thing. Let's say that the McDonald's job was so valuable to a certain individual that they lost it and became super depressed over it and, you know, thought about suicide over losing their job. Not an uncommon situation to lose your job and feel depressed and and feel like you're hopeless. It happens to people. But see, no matter what scale you're on, whether it's the McDonald's job or the bank president, you can see from a distance how it's not a correct idea to want to kill yourself if you lose your job because there's other millions of jobs out there, there's much potential in all human beings for anything to happen, and to kill yourself over one situation because you're not getting a paycheck is absolutely insane. Now, it seems even more insane when you look at, it at the McDonald's job, but the McDonald's job and whatever other job are they're all the same, they're just a job, a situation. And a lot of times, though, through self-lying, we can't see the forest for the trees. We can't see past this situation. Since I have lived that very thing I'm telling you, I know it's true. We get stuck in a certain situation, a certain outlook. We're, We're only looking out of the world at a certain window. We can't see the other possibilities of things. We can't see the future or hope or what might be. I've seen a lot of people lose hope and get discouraged. I've seen a lot of people self lie to themselves, and you know some people lie to others. They're just you know kind of folks who just friggin lie. But some people, many of them, they're so their worldview is so distorted that the lie has become the truth for them. And no matter what you ask or say, they they can't see themselves you know, as, as, as doing anything wrong ever because they just don't believe it. You know, Donald Trump has done a lot of stuff wrong. He keeps saying he's a highly smart, successful businessman. But everything about him says the opposite. His track record is absolutely terrible. But if you ask him, he would tell you what a genius he is at business. And yet, again, if you look at the track record... He has not displayed any <laughs> genius or even smarts in business. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But for his worldview and many of the worldview of the people around him, he's a completely smart, successful, together guy. He doesn't seem that all to, all that way to me. He, 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 he doesn't strike me as that. In, in fact, many of the things he says and does completely make no sense to me. And yet he will defend them, say he was just joking, he didn't mean it, or, or or whatever thing he conjures up to to say that, "Oh no, you didn't get what I said correctly. It's kind of bizarre. Hillary Clinton the same way. Oh, I never had multiple devices. And then they go, she had multiple devices. <laughs> you know she people just basically just lie and and i I've come to wonder. If their brain is so distorted their perception is so distorted if they believe the lies at least some of them or, or do they believe deep down that they're a good person and thus the lie is justified it's kind of crazy and watching people lash out like this guy in the YouTube video over his failed Kickstarter it's kind of bizarre people are emotional, crazy creatures and they, (laughs) they lash out emotionally and crazy. You know, imagine that your birthday comes around and you get presents from like three people. And the other, you know, 10 people, you know, in your life, you call up and call them, you know, horrible names and curse at them because they didn't have the smarts to love you enough to send you presents. You know, you really got to be sending me birthday presents, you you idiot. You know, do you think that really works with folks? Do they really hang up the phone after you're screaming and cursing at them and say, you know, I really should have sent Johnny a a present. He's so wonderful. Does, Does life really work that way? Anyway, I'm constantly, constantly surrounded by this incongruity in society, in people, and everything else, it kind of blows my mind when you write somebody a letter and say, "Hey, uh, remember you were supposed to deliver, you know, that thing on Monday?" and they write back, "Hey, man, you know, my shoelaces, uh, you know, were all dirty, and I couldn't put on my shoes, and it's not my fault, and we couldn't do any of those deliveries on Monday. Not sure when it'll happen. It's just bizarre how in every endeavor in life." people take absolutely no responsibility. They just don't. I could go on and list hundreds of examples like this. I could talk about it for weeks, actually. But in every situation, I see this pattern repeated again and again and again. And if ever questioned about, you know, why they're not performing, neither not why they're not doing it, or whatever it is they say, they blame others, they blame situations, they blame all sorts of things. But they themselves had no part in anything that happened to them. It wasn't their fault either way. People will take credit for success but not for failure. <laughs> and yet, is there any other way to learn? I've been watching TV lately. Uh, love the new Westworld. Well, I don't know if I loved it but I thought it was pretty interesting and kind of cool and I thought the robot effects were kind of neat. But, uh, Timeless was okay. I was hoping, hoping for more. It almost seems like that TV show Continuum. If anybody has seen Continuum, it seems to be sort of the same, well, not the same, but a similar feel. That's the best way to put it. You know, each week we're going to travel back in time and have some adventures and you know, and everything will be more or less reset the next week as we run after the bad guy through time. Isn't this the same plot as that DC superhero TV show Legends? Aren't those guys running around through time in a time machine doing stuff? (laughs) I think it's the same plot. (laughs) Seems like everything's time travel. The Flash, you know, (laughs) they just can't get away from it. Anyway, I've been enjoying TV and uh, watching it and relaxing, and uh, I have to say, I think unless something changes, which it may, I I change, you know, like everything else, I'm always altering and changing, I don't know what's going to happen with my book project. My latest book, I've sort of stopped drawing on it, we've been talking about this for a few months where I've kind of lost my motivation to produce yet another book that just sits there on the shelf. The last book I made sold one copy. The book before that sold maybe less than 10 copies. That took me almost two years. So it's just hard to get motivated in a financial or emotional satisfying way to produce it because I just can't produce it for myself. It's not satisfying enough. It's like, okay, whatever. You know, for the first 50 years of drawing, that was enough, but not anymore. I'm satisfied with the way I draw. I don't have anything else to prove to myself. And I'd really like some good, high-paying projects to come along so I could pay my bills. (laughs) I know it sounds so unsexy and so unromantic. Everybody's lying around pining for their big project. If only I could do my own personal projects. Well, I've done my personal projects, and uh, I don't really have anything on the burner I want to do that I'm dying to do. And I would love to do other people's personal projects if I got paid well for them. If not, I'm not gonna do it. I know it sounds seems like a waste. You know, you've worked your whole life to get to a certain level, and now at the peak of what you know potentially all your practice has led to, you're not gonna draw anymore, you're not gonna create. Well, not as much. That's the answer, not as much. I have produced a new t shirt design every week for the last four weeks. Uh, last year I made, or two years ago, I can't remember where it is now, 45 or some different designs uh, and spent a lot of time on them a few months making these t-shirt designs and nothing really happened with them. The way I was marketing them, the, the audience I was presenting them to, so that kind of frustrated me. So I shut that down, and I've begun, started a new uh, business endeavor called USA Actionwear. And again, I'm not hanging you know, any hope on this. I don't think much is going to happen, but I'm really, really enjoying the process of making and creating T-shirts. I always have. I've worked for several T-shirts companies, and I, I made my first real fortune in selling T-shirts at big events. Uh, so I've always liked T-shirts, liked the business of it, and, uh, like drawing and creating them. So that's one thing that my art passion is still, still about. I'm still into making cool images and cool things. And lately those things have been t-shirts. So I'm not asking any of you to buy my t-shirts or any of that. I'm just saying that one of the things I've been doing is creating t-shirts and that's been fun. So I'm not done drawing quote unquote, but I really don't know if I'm going to finish this book I'm working on. I'm on page 10. I just, I don't know. I just don't see an end game in it. And uh, I'm not that passionate about doing it. And therefore, that may end up being an unfinished project. But the good news is, there's nobody chomping at the bit, tapping me on the shoulder to finish it. So I'm okay. (laughs) I don't think the world is waiting with, by holding their breath, waiting for my next big project. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty much sure of it. I hope all of you are having a great day in your art studios. Hope the art is coming out well. Keep creating. Keep doing your thing. Uh, don't be afraid to write or call or comment back to me. It's fine. Uh, we can chat. Uh, and what maybe your thoughts on this? I've gotten a couple nice and insightful letters over the last month. I have to say that some very old friends have actually fallen into the art studio listening to the podcasts. And they're like, hey, Dan, I found your podcast, man. How you doing? You know, and so I think it's kind of fun for my friends to uh, listen to my podcast and discover it. And one more interesting thing happened before I sign off. A friend of mine called me last week and told me that he was reading a book and he gets to page like 305. And there the guy quotes me, Dan Burke, and writes what I said in 1982. Bill was, Bill, my friend who called me, was totally blown away. He goes, I can't believe this guy is citing you and quoting you <laughs> from the 80s on what your opinion was. And it was, it was pretty mind-blowing, like and it was 100% accurate. It's what I said, everything, he didn't change a word. So I was really blown away by that. And so was he. He's like, imagine that. He goes, you're in this book. Whew. Anyway, that was kind of fun and exciting. I, You know, you don't expect people who write books to quote you on your opinions uh, 30 years later. Have a great day, everybody. See you soon and keep creating. Bye-bye.